ready to talk fantasy football? Then you're ready for the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your hosts, Mike Randall and Scott Burke. It's beginning to look a lot like fantasy football season. Best ball drafts everywhere you go. My partner Scott Burke and I are in a draft together, and I'm already kicking your fanny partner. Welcome back to the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Yeah, well, everybody's got an opinion, and we know what an opinion <laughs> equals, but uh, that song would have been a lot better maybe a week and a half ago when on the East Coast it was like, you know, low 60s, high 50s here. But we actually have finally getting some nice weather, so that Christmas theme may not work exactly at this time. You know? and, and I want to thank you, partner. I want to publicly thank you for taking Derrick Henry because I can reveal now that I was petrified that you were going to take my man, who I put out on Twitter today, at Randall Rant, by the way, my partner at SCOT557, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have a top five fantasy QB season. So I was very happy to see him there. Derrick Henry, I'm very happy you took him. It's amazing. You like Derrick Henry, Jimmy Garoppolo. Juju Smith-Schuster went in round five. A little early for Juju, no, partner? Yeah, maybe. I contemplated him a little <laughs> while ago, too. Hey, I'll be honest with you. Derrick Henry and Jimmy Garoppolo were the two guys that went back and forth on in that uh, draft as we sit here. In uh, the middle of round five, I'm actually on the clock, so we're going to sit this one. Uh, him, the pick's going to wait for a little while as we record this pod. Uh, I did think about Garoppolo. I thought about Henry. A couple of guys there. Uh, running backs are getting thin real fast. Real so, fast. Uh, yeah. Real, real fast this league. So it's a, I felt the need to pull the trigger on a young running back that I hope has a bright future in Tennessee. Yeah, it's a best ball dynasty draft. So best ball, which means every week, you know, depending on how your players do, that's your lineup. Those are your points. Four point per passing TD. It's 0.25 for rushing attempts, 0.75 for receptions. Very interesting format. First down, you get a 0.25. So exciting stuff here. We're into round five. Slow draft, expert draft, and Jimmy G's on my team. And I like Darius Geis. Amazing. I didn't like him in the draft, but I like him now. Fantasy yeah. football makes strange bedfellows. And one of the guys I was hoping to get maybe round Seven, Tevin Coleman was reached for real, real early oh, here. And you know, he's you, gone too. Do you know why? Hashtag team backfield drafting. Very smart by that guy. He went Freeman and Coleman. His running backs, by the way, Tevin Coleman, Freeman, David Johnson, and LaShawn McCoy. Woo! Yeah, LaShawn McCoy, I think late round five, early, uh, late round four, Crazy. early round five. So uh, it's been some sneaky value here. Well, here we go. Let's get into uh, quarter number one news and notes. Yeah, quarter number one news and notes. We got some for you. Let's kick it off with how about fifth round running back Jordan Wilkins is impressing with the Colts. He is taking reps with the Colts' first team offense in minicamp. He's also getting some reps in now with Andrew Luck, who returned to practice on Tuesday. And folks, he threw a football. So Andrew Luck is on the field throwing a football around, which is great news for Colts fans. Beach uh, beat writer George Bremer noted that Wilkins caught a deep route for. From Luck, looked good. Bicep, bicep, bicep Bob Turbin. There he is, Bicep Bob. Has gotten most of the first team uh, running back reps. Remember, Marlon Mack is rehabbing from surgery. The Colts already know what Turbin can bring to the table. So you look at a guy like Wilkins, could he be a late-round sleeper here, getting a little early first-round action, first-team offense with Andrew Luck? It's worth noting because it's a roulette wheel of those running backs. But if Andrew Luck, now listen, he threw like a Nerf ball. Okay, let's take it easy. But certainly he seems like he's okay. Wilkins is from Mississippi. He's 6'1", 216 pounds. He is t- almost 24 years old. So he's he's older. Uh, he has decent speed, 4'5", 8", but he is a thumper. He's a guy who can get the goal line work. You want the goal line backs on the passing teams. I still believe in Marlon Mack, partner. But yeah, Jordan Wilkins is is worth a look. 
How about one of your favorite guys, in quotes, from last year, Jared Cook? Oh, dear Lord. Has surprisingly impressed head coach John Gruden in Raiders minicamp. Cook quietly set a career-high 54 catches last season. And according to Gruden, he has had, quote, a great camp. I didn't know Jared Cook moved the way he does. He's had some really good pass receiving skills. And now we'll look to line him up in a bunch of different places. He's been really sharp. We've asked him to do a lot. And he has really gotten the job done. Cook, undervalued tight end two. Your thoughts? I mean, tight end two, if you have, if you need two tight ends in a league, I guess so. I'm not buying this. It's called, you know, just thinking about the targets, thinking about the possibility of where the targets are going to go. You have Derek Carr, who has not been a sling it all over the place quarterback. When he had his great year two years ago, it was pretty much efficiency. You still have Marshawn Lynch, Scott, so they're going to want to run the ball at the goal line. He's a guy, unless you're in the Super Bowl, who's going to get the ball at the goal line. Look at their wide receivers. I know you're not big into Amari Cooper, but I do believe that the wide receiver one for John Gruden historically has had a really good season, so certainly he's going to receive targets. Jordy Nelson, even if he gets moderate targets, even if I'm talking, man, about 50 receptions, which I think is reasonable if he stays healthy, he certainly will demand some because Seth Roberts demanded some in the red zone when he was there last year without Nelson in front of him. And Martavis Bryant, of course, I think he's a Deshaun Jackson feaster famine guy, but he's going to get targets as well. You just can't tell me that Marshawn Lynch is going to potentially have double-digit touchdowns. I didn't even mention Doug Martin. Amari Cooper, I believe, is going to be a wide receiver one, but probably worst-case scenario for you, he's a low, he's a high-end wide receiver two. Jordy Nelson will get a few touchdowns. Martavis Bryant will get his. There's just not enough for Jared Cook. I don't buy it. Jets offensive coordinator Jeremy Bates at minicamp this past Wednesday, today, said that Sam Darnold is absolutely in the running to start week one. Now, normally, a number one, number three pick being touted as possible week one starter is not groundbreaking news, but the Jets do have Josh McCown in camp, have Teddy Bridgewater coming back from injury, looking to get something out of him and see if he can find his form from a few years ago. Definitely the opposite approach of what the Browns are doing. As the Browns have said, Tyrod Taylor is going to start over Baker Mayfield. But Bates has been quoted as saying, are we giving him bits and pieces of this offense or are we throwing everything at him? And they are throwing everything at him. And so far he's handled it. And they said if he continues to handle it, he may be the starter from week one. Maybe not immediate fantasy news, but could be some productive fantasy news from a dynasty standpoint. Then how come I got from ESPN to ESPN.com that Teddy Bridgewater is already impressing at day one of minicamp? He fought back from a horrific injury when his basically dream appeared shattered when he went down there on the field. He's going to be relentless. Think Sam Darnold is starting week one? Absolutely not. I don't think so. As far as dynasty, depends if you believe in the guy. A lot of people were criticizing him. They think he could be like, you know, he has, look at him. He's a big guy, man. I mean, Jared Lorenzen, people threw that around. But certainly he seems real solid. He was he was an excellent quarterback in college at USC. But do I think he's starting week one? No way. All right. I must have catered these news and notes just to fit your needs. So here we go. Free agent DeMarco Murray turns <laughs> down a tryout with the New Orleans Saints. Adam Schefter reported that Murray is, quote, waiting for the right opportunity and feels he can contribute in a significant role. There really hasn't been much interest for Murray since a visit to the Miami Dolphins in March. He's coming off a down 2017. He's now in age 30. Murray unlikely to guaranteed, find a land a guaranteed contract. What is the, quote, right opportunity or right situation for DeMarco Murray? It's called the announcer booth is the right opportunity. He's not good. He's not fast. He can't run over 
running backs. And the reason that I liked him, again, is because of the offensive line. He turned the Saints down. That was a mistake. The reason he turned them down is because Mark Ingram's coming back. And DeMarco Murray feels he can be like an RB1 the whole year for a team. No, he can't. No, he can't. He's not going to Seattle. They already have Penny there. He has no landing spot, Scott. He will not be in the NFL this year. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that one. I don't think he's going to find a spot. And if it does, it's going to take a couple of key injuries from the pickup of the contract probably early into the season. According to Nessence, Doug Kaid, Rex Burkhead, and James White have been handling the majority of the first-team reps this spring in New England. What does this mean for number 31 overall pick, Sony Michelle? He's been lined up right behind them. Burkhead and White getting the early first-rep touches. What does it mean for Michelle? What does it mean for Jeremy Hill, Mike Gillisley, and so forth? What does it mean for the Patriot backfield? Or is it too early to even think about it? James White is not going to be the main running back. We know that. We know what James White is. And the Super Bowl, he's tremendous. Outside of that, he's just mediocre. He's a pass-catching running back, okay? So it really comes down to Sony Michelle or Rex Burkhead. I'm not buying Jeremy Hill and all that other garbage. You can't see Belichick giving the majority of touches to a running back who has a history of fumbling in college. I can't see that. It is going to be Rex Burkhead. Now, if Rex Burkhead gets hurt and he is somewhat injury prone, gets nagging injuries here and there, Sony Michelle could get the majority of the touches in the backfield. But right now, I know it's Patriot running backs and like this shouldn't be, shouldn't be done. But if I had a bet, and I know you agree with me, it's got to be Rex Burkhead if he's healthy. Has to be. Yeah, I mean, my early money would be on, on uh, Rex Burkhead for sure. Um, but you just never know. We, you just never know with what the hoodie's going to do up there in New England. He's got a plethora of running backs to choose from. And just all I know is don't fumble the ball because if you do, we won't see you for about eight weeks. Finally, news and notes. Tampa Bay, The Tampa Bay Times, Rick Stroud, during his time at Tampa Bay Bucks camp, singled out sophomore wide receiver Chris Godwin. Said he's made a lot of plays every single day. He has shined in minicamp. He's been the subject of constant praise throughout the offseason. He finished his rookie year on a high note down the stretch and performed pretty well in some spot starts. Offensive coordinator Todd Monken has said Godwin has earned the right to start. He should see heavy snaps in three wide sets if the coaching staff allows him to leapfrog Adam Humphreys. Could there be any value here with Godwin? Stop. Adam Humphreys is terrible. He's going to be leapfrogged. You have Feaster, Famine, Jackson, or Mike Edwins. Oh, Mike Evans. Godwin can be the second best receiver on this team. There is no doubt about that. He is absolutely a guy that you have to look out for. Last year, you know, had some injuries up and down the whole thing. But if you look at his profile partner, he's got a 4.42 40-yard dash time, 6-1-209. He's only 22 years old, so he's not old for his age. He was in Penn State. Penn State's going to limit you in terms of your production. It's not going to be an explosive offense, right? So he's got to be careful. This is a guy who has metrics all over the place. He's got a quarterback in Jameis Winston who will take chances. He's not massively accurate, but he's probably more accurate than Cam Newton, to be honest with you. So, yes, I like Chris Godwin. Right now, his ADP is ridiculously low, 168.3. I like him better than Deshaun Jackson. I don't buy into speed-wide receivers, drafting them earlier than Godwin when they're feast or famine guys. So, yeah, I think this is good news, man. Yeah, absolutely. Could definitely as a second year, second year pro offense under a system for another year. This could be a good fit, good spot for him to really pick it up and uh, turn something into sophomore season. All right, there we go. There's the whistle heading into the second quarter. It appears, partner, that you have a little bit of a debate here for us. We did a debate the other night, uh, Le'Veon Bell versus Ezekiel Elliott. Great one, of course. Now it appears we have a debate as well here in the second quarter and picking up the blitz. Yeah, more of a, maybe a discussion, debate, however you want to put it. I just wanted to kind of put this out there. We went Zeke Bell. Kind of turned a different angle here. I wanted to talk about Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson, both young quarterbacks, both coming back off of, off of significant injuries. 
who of these two will have the better year coming off of that significant injury? The rule in fantasy football is that you want to fade prior year efficiency. No one was more efficient last year than Deshaun Watson. He came into the league, and people were, were nervous with Watson. They said he didn't have great arm strength. He was a mobile quarterback, so was he, was he just a winner, or was he a, a you know traditional pocket passer, which he wasn't? Deshaun Watson last year was crazy good, crazy good. In seven games, he passed for 1,700 yards. He had 19 passing touchdowns in seven games. Let me repeat that. 19 passing touchdowns in seven games. If he continues that as a rookie quarterback, even if he slows down, it's a lock for 30 right off the bat. Rushing yards, he finished 10th overall among all quarterbacks as per player profiler in rushing yards. He only played seven games. However, his efficiency last year was incredible. He was getting four or five touchdowns in a game and tremendous, tremendous value. Even the games where he was behind, he was throwing passes. Remember the game in Seattle where he was hitting Hopkins with uh, 200 yeah. yards? I think if you're asking me to pick between Deshaun Watson, who played seven games with incredible, incredible efficiency, or Carson Wentz, who played 13 games and was pretty much the MVP of the league if he were to stay healthy, on the Super Bowl champion I have to take Carson Wentz first. I know he may not be ready for week one. They're saying Foles is going to start if he's not ready. But Wentz now is going into his third year. How on earth do I not take Carson Wentz, who had 33 touchdowns in 13 games, over Watson, who really gave us a very small sample size? I like Deshaun Watson, but are we sure he's going to continue that? If you're asking me for the safer bet, I think it's Carson Wentz. Yeah, I, I'm with you on Wentz. I think Wentz is a safer bet, so it's not going to be much of a debate here. But just a couple of facts, uh, things on Watson. Like you said, you know, since 2000, there's only been four quarterbacks that have thrown a touchdown pass on more than 7.9 of their passes. So a touchdown has resulted in more than 7.9 yeah, of their one. passes. Yeah. Watson was 9.3 in yeah. 2017. Yeah. And oddly enough, the closest one to that number last year was Wentz, and he was 6.7. Wow. So when you look at these two quarterbacks, they had – Again, the efficiency was unbelievable last year. It's going to be very hard for both of them to repeat. You know, when you look going right now going forward, you got to say that Watson's probably a couple steps ahead. He's already been practicing now without a knee brace as recently as Tuesday. So all reports are he's absolutely going to be ready to go come week one. There's still some question marks in that Philly camp on if Wentz will be able to go on opening night against the Falcons as the Eagles begin their Super Bowl defense. There's definitely a chance that you could see Nick Foles for a week or two. It really going to depend on how Wentz progresses through uh, you know, the offseason and we get into legitimate training camps in the next couple of weeks. But I, I'm with you as far as you can't repeat the efficiency. I just think the more complete quarterback is Wentz. Fin even, even despite missing the time, he did finish second in passing touchdowns last year with 33. And according to playerprofile.com, a big stat here, a money throw, exceptional skill or athleticism, was fourth with 23 of those. So the player profile's got some unbelievable stats for you to throw out. Ninth in deep ball attempts. He was top 10 in so many, so many key categories. And I think you get a better chance of the traditional quarterback in Carson Wentz than more of the scrambler in Deshaun Watson. So I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think Wentz is the safer bet. And that's not a knock against Watson. I think Watson's going to be a. Very, very good quarterback in this league. But if I had to go pick one of these two for the next 10 to 12 years, it's going to be Carson Wentz as well. You know, and remember, they both had seven interceptions. 
Wentz had it in 13 games. Watson had it in seven games. Watson has a propensity just to fire the ball into double coverage. He doesn't care. Sure, he had the five touchdowns, no interceptions against Kansas City. But remember in that Seattle game, he had four touchdowns, three interceptions. So Wentz is taking care of the ball a lot more. I don't think he makes as many dangerous passes. One thing I'll note, though, partner – Wentz doesn't throw for a lot of passing yards. You know, Watson, they, they they took the handcuffs off. If I just read you through the middle of the season here with Wentz, 222 passing yards, 268, 211, 199, 168, 227. I will tell you this. Deshaun Watson isn't getting out of a game thrown for 168 yards. That is not happening down in no, Houston. You're right. So, but with that comes more interceptions and turnovers. So I'm with you. I, I think it's interesting. It's an interesting debate. If you had to pick one right now, and I, what Watson went off the board, did Wentz go off the board in a draft? I think they both went off the board. They, right? they both they went off the board pretty much. I think right after uh, one another. And I had thought about Wentz too. I had Wentz queued up. I was thinking it was a tough debate, but yeah, the one thing about Watson and the interceptions too, game script probably played a lot in that yeah, too. You know, they were true. up and true. up and forward yeah. in that Seattle game, and Houston was probably playing from behind. I mean, I don't have every game log in front of me from last year, but just from recollection, they were come probably playing from behind in most of those games. Where the Eagles were really playing the opposite and the Eagles from Jump Street just kind of ran with that NFC. But uh yeah, the artist is there. But you know, Carson Wentz top ten in pass attempt, you know, distance wise. So he you know, he's was good. He was solid. Watson was good. But yeah, I, I would take I would lean Carson Wentz if I was picking between the two long term. And listen, the most impressive game overall to me was not the one in Seattle by Watson because Seattle's defense is not the Legion of Boom anymore, the Legion of Duds, okay? The one that impressed me was the one that Wentz got hurt in. He was out against the Rams, good defense, right, on the road against a really good team, had four touchdowns, one interception, and 291 yards passing. He was the number two quarterback in all of fantasy that week, and he got injured. So that, to me, if you want to give me the best game I saw, that's the one. I won't take the five touchdowns at home against Kansas City. I'll take the four on the road against the Rams. That's just my opinion. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you on that one as well. Moving into quarter three, there's the whistle. I love that whistle. God. Let's talk about our top 12 here. huh? Talk to me, partner, about the top 12, overrated, underrated, who's there. It's interesting. You know, the ADPs change, right? It's fluid. But where are we at right now? Yeah, these uh, these numbers definitely they fluctuate a little bit. These are as of today. I pulled these from Fantasy Pros. We looking at I'm looking at full PPR. We got the top twelve. Kind of want to get your feel or each other's feel on who we think that's in this top twelve right now is most likely to finish outside the top twelve, and who from that thirteen to twenty four group would be the one to replace him, or maybe is it even someone out of the top twenty four that could sneak up into a top twelve? So as of today, as you look at the top twelve full point, full point PPR. Le'Veon Bell sits at number one. Todd Gurley sits at number two, followed by Antonio Brown, David Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins. They round out the top five. So let's just start with those top five. Any one of those guys, any one of them have a chance to fall below maybe a top ten mark, or are you pretty consistent those five are good where they are? See, it's interesting. You know, if you go back and look at the stats, man, right, that at least one if not two of these guys do fall out of the top ten. I mean, that's just statistically proven. So it's hard for you to think – Deeper, but that's what we have to do, which is why I push for Zeke. We'll talk about him a little bit. I think Gurley is safe. I think Gurley runs, he catches the ball. The Rams are also going to be good. Okay, so all that makes sense. I certainly think Le'Veon Bell's safe. I don't, I agree with you. I, I think the amount that the offense changes is going to be minimal. I don't like him at the goal line. I do like Gurley a little better, but certainly Bell's receptions and passing game usage. And partner, how many res- how many running backs are actually on the field for all three downs? Very, very few. No, this is a true, true, a true every down, down back. He right is. Here, so. He is. And it's very rare. So that's safe. Antonio Brown, stop. We're not talking about Antonio Brown. Okay, of course. <laughs> Next one is David Johnson. 
It's a risk. Does, does the holdout worry you at all? No, I mean, holdout here. yeah, I mean, I used to say, remember, I used to use that argument. People who hold out, you know, usually get injured or something like that. But David Johnson concerns me if only because I don't know how good the Cardinals are going to be. I know he was fantastic that year. They weren't very good. He was the only game in town. But if you're asking me, Hopkins, you got to be kidding me. Hopkins has been doing with me, you as, me and you as quarterback. So you can't tell me that DeAndre Hopkins is going to fall to the top 10 when it looks like he actually has a decent quarterback who, by the way, does not care and will fire the ball to triple coverage. So if I have to pick one, I will pick DJ. I think DJ is great. Don't get me wrong. But if you made me pick one, the, the most tenuous one is DJ for me. Yeah, agreed, especially coming off the injury. Yeah, I understand him trying to get paid here and it makes total sense. He saw he lost a full season, so now he wants to get a contract. So he's secure. Let's round up the top 12. We'll start at six. Ezekiel Elliott, seven. Odell Beckham Jr. coming off an injury. Alvin Kamara sneaks up all the way up to number eight here. Michael Thomas, nine. Julio Jones, 10. Keenan Allen at 11. And then Saquon Barkley, who, you know, last time we did this was number nine. Now it's dropped to number 12. So maybe, maybe people, people listen, listen to us. Listen to us. Yeah, I'm us. guessing, I like you know, that. so he sits here. He's at number 12. You take a rest, take a look at the rest of that list. Who's most likely to really fall out of that top 12 now from that 6 to 12 range? For me, it's Barkley. We've already discussed the reasons why. I know he's at 12, but I think he's just a little bit overrated at this point. You, your thoughts? I think people have to understand that if you like Saquon Barkley, my question to you is if you think he's going to be a top 12 player overall, who don't you like on the Giants offense? Because you can't tell me that their offense is going to be so incredibly good that Barkley's going to be great, Odell's going to be great, Shepard's going to be great, and Ingram's going to be great. Because if that is true, then who else has to be great? Eli Manning. <laughs> okay, yeah, if all these guys are going to be great. So I don't believe in Eli Manning being great. I think we've seen that. You know, in the postseason, the guy's lights out. But in the regular season, he's just average and he's getting older. I'm with you on Barkley. You know that. I mean, I'm very much in the same camp that I was with Hunt and Ezekiel Elliott, which I got burned for, but I'm not sure with all those weapons on that offense if he's going to be great. I know Adele Beckham Jr. is going to be great. He may not be number three wide receiver. He may not be number four wide receiver, but assuming he stays healthy, which we're assuming for all these people, he's going to be fine. Michael Thomas didn't have a lot of touchdowns last year, but he's the center of the offense. I'd be careful with Kamara. Uh, They just signed Terrence West today. Okay, so again, Sean Payton does not believe in giving Alvin Kamara 25 carries. He's not getting that. He was incredibly efficient. Remember the long run? Maybe it was the Rams, I think. Long run down the sideline there, right? Can he repeat that? I don't know. I think, again, like Bell, his receptions are great, but Alvin Kamara isn't getting the, the, the majority of the carries like Bell is. So I'm with you on Barkley. I'd also be careful on Kamara. Julio Jones at 10. Injury, injuries. We talked about him being brittle. You know, the touchdown numbers were terribly down last year. We talked about how he has just a one or two monster games. You know, if he doesn't pick up the touchdowns and those 250-yard games don't show up, possibility he falls out of the top 12? It is. He gets so much yardage, though. I think he's safe. I'm with you. I, I don't like him in that spot. I, I agree with what you're saying. But if you look at the last four years, his receptions – 88, 83, 136, 104. He did miss a couple games in 2016. He missed a game in 2014. And look at his yards, man. 1444 last year, 1409, 1871, 1593. So I feel like, listen, he's getting the ball. They're going to throw the ball to Julio. If you want to bank on an injury, I get that. But I'm just choosing to analyze this without an injury. That's yeah, just I my feel, opinion. Yeah. I feel like he's just one one big hit below the waist from missing six weeks. It I could just, be. You know, it could be. It's true. Very true. All right, let's go to the next next six. We'll go from 13 to 18. Kareem Hunt, A.J. Green, Devontae Adams, 
Mike Evans, Josh Gordon, and Dalvin Cook. So you got four receivers sandwiched by two running backs. Kareem Hunt is interesting. I think that they're going to have to be careful with Hunt because they're going to tailor the offense. They already said this to what Patrick Mahomes does well. That could mean more chances down the field. Mahomes is going to run as well. They're not a team that lines you up and tries to bowl you over at the goal line. So Hunt really benefited from what? He had like the four 50-yard runs in the first four weeks or something like that. And then he was not good for a long time until the final. So be careful with Hunt. A.J. Green's very volatile. I wrote an article about him that he's only good in best ball. But listen, all wide receivers are volatile. I've come to that conclusion. So I think he's going to get enough there. Devontae Adams, I know you read his schedule, but I will tell you this. If Aaron Rodgers stays healthy, Devontae Adams will meet this ADP because Aaron Rodgers doesn't – he will throw the ball between a needle. And if you don't like Randall Cobb, which I know you don't, somebody has to catch the passes. He'll get enough volume, you know, enough volume a la some of the guys we talked about earlier, like Julio, in order to be relevant. Mike Evans, I'm not a Mike Evans guy, man. I'm so you, not don't a, think the, you don't think the bounce back's coming for Mike Evans? Uh, Mike Evans has never been a guy with a lot of yards after catch. That's not his thing. In fact, if you look at it, he's had some of the lowest yards after catch in the last couple of years. He really is, and I put this out on Twitter not to tweak the fans, he really is a Des Bryant-like guy. He's not super fast. He's tall. He's a jump ball in the end zone guy. And let's not forget, he's tied to a quarterback that is not really accurate. 4.53 40-yard dash time. And in terms of his yards after catch, he had 95 total yards after catch. That's in 15 games, Scott. 95 yards after catch. Alvin Kamara had 80 yards on one reception. 95 yards. So he is a stationary weeble who's lobbed to the end zone guy. And last year, people caught on to it. You know why? He had five red zone receptions last year. So I'm be very careful. He's not a guy like Antonio Brown, who's a magician at getting open. He's kind of a loping long guy. You want to fire jump balls? That's fine. I'm not taking a jump ball guy in the top 15. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're drafting Evans in that top 15, 16 spot, and yet you're only getting 19 targets in the red zone. Right. Right. That, that's, yes, a, that's a problem. Yes. You, know, you, you're drafting a wide receiver. At, you know, look, there's guys like Brown can do things. We know Hopkins can do things like Beckham and so forth. But if you're drafting this guy top 15, 16, and he's getting only less than 20 looks in a 16-game season inside the 20, that's no bueno. Round out the top 24 at 19, Doug Baldwin, who's many are predicting to have a monster year with Jimmy Graham gone. Leonard Fournette at 20, Christian McCaffrey at 21, Adam Thielen, and then a pair of tight ends. And Gronk is actually 24. He is one spot behind Travis Kelsey. I'd rather be, I'd rather be a day late. I'd rather sell a day early than sell a day late. Gronkowski, I know when he plays, he's dominant. I know it's Brady. I know it's the offense. I'm just not taking him this early. I'm never taking Rob Gronkowski. It's not happening. Fournette's going to get goal line touches. I'm not sure if he's a great top elite top five running back. I agree with the Doug Baldwin volume, especially Scott, because we're talking like two. Now we're getting to 20. So Doug Baldwin being what, wide receiver seven or eight? Now we're starting to get to the point that if he returns wide receiver 11 value, is that really a disaster, right? Yeah. Um, I like Christian McCaffrey a lot. He gets a lot of receptions. I still don't think he's getting the goal line touches. And I think C.J. Anderson's actually going to have a decent year. The rest are okay for me. I'll go with Gronk and I'll say be careful with C-Mac. Yeah, yeah, same there. I mean, mean, I've never been in that boat to where I'm going to draft Rob Gronkowski even that is – heyday when he wasn't injured i mean not that he's past his prime now but we know the injuries come more often than they don't with gronk 
I'm the type where if I get a Zach Ertz when I can get him, I'll take him. If not, I'll just we'll sit back. We'll try to catch lightning in a bottle at that tight end position. The other ones kind of they, – they fit here as well. I think Baldwin does have a nice season in Seattle. Big fan of Leonard Fournette this year. I think he's primed to have a nice could be. Yeah, sec- could be. second sure. year in sure. Jacksonville yeah. as well. So, yeah, I mean, that's not your top 24. Listen, next time we do this pod, this number, these guys will be all over the place again. But it's something you want to watch and follow because it's almost like watching the stock market. Who's up? Who's down? Where's everybody going? And it's uh, – yeah, listen, when you're in the middle of June, this is something you want to keep your eyes on, especially when you're preparing for these uh, drafts that you're coming up with. You know why I love fantasy season? Because I get trade offers like in the middle of our podcast here. So my dynasty league, one of my many dynasty leagues that I'm in, I was just offered Bilal Powell for Cameron Meredith. Do they know, Scott, that Cameron Meredith is one of the most efficient wide receivers when he's played so far in his career and he's going to the most efficient offense in the NFL? Do they understand that? I would not give up Cameron Meredith for Bilal Powell. I I don't know. Find me a running back I would give him up for besides the obvious ones, okay? No, the answer is no. I'm rejecting this trade on the podcast. Yeah, and I think they do know that. That's why they're hoping to see maybe you don't, but obviously they don't know. <laughs> they don't know that you have 13,000 people following you for a reason. Uh, I am not. I love Cameron Meredith. I wouldn't give up Cameron Meredith for Kareem Hunt. That's a joke. I'd have to think about it, though. All right, moving in the fourth quarter. Who doesn't love a little 1v1 debate? We're going to start here. How, I mean, how many of these are going to win? we got about five, right? I bet I go four to five. What do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, it's four <laughs> to five. It's, that's your opinion. We'll leave, the, we'll leave it up to the Twitter, Facebook world, and our listeners. Why list. didn't I start Ben Watson? Is this gonna is this gonna linger with us? Oh yeah, week, week oh, twelve. Yeah. Uh, now I see. At least now I can feel some of your emphasize some of your pain because now we're in the dynasty league together. Why well, didn't so we? Start. We'll, we we can we we can do this to each other for the next six months or whatever it may be. I'm looking at this guy's roster. I'm gonna tell you. Good, you go. I'm gonna tell you who I would trade him for straight up in this dynasty league. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, first first one versus one debate I got here for us tonight. A couple of guys very similar. They're both in the top 24. Just touched on them for a second. Dalvin Cook versus Leonard Fournette. For me, Leonard Fournette, big fan of Fournette coming into this year. I'm not to discount anything that Dalvin Cook did, but a rookie season was involved in the number one amount of run plays for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's only going to continue with Blake Bortles still at the quarterback position. It was eighth in goal line carries. I'd like to see his red zone touches come up a little bit. You know, being that goal line back, I'd like to – I want to see him get more than nine goal line carries. And I think as we enter that second year now, you know, uh, the Chris Ivories of the world are gone and so forth, that this is Fournette's team to take that next step, increase his productivity, increase his rushing yards, and be more of a focal point in his offense than he was as a rookie. I think this is a prime spot for him. We all know what Blake Bortles is. He's still down there. He's still going to be the quarterback. So, some question marks at wide receiver. Yeah, sure, D.D. Westbrook's got an opportunity, Marcus Lee, and so forth, but there's still plenty of question marks in that receiving core for Jacksonville. They do like Austin Safarian Jenkins, who I think will have a nice year where Bortles give him a bit of a safety net down the middle. He was very productive with the Jets and Josh McCown last year, so I think he can be productive with Bortles. But this is going to be Fournette's team to run, lead the offense, pound the ball, increase his snap share. He'll be on the field much more than he was at 64% last year in 2017. And I think you get Fournette here at a very nice value late in that top 20, 22 picks. I traded for Tevin Coleman. I traded him straight up for Tevin Coleman. He wouldn't do that. Okay, I apologize. I am with you on Leonard Fournette. Volume is king. He's going to get volume. Tom Coughlin has dip in his mouth. He has chew. He eats raw bark. Doug Marone sits there and eats raw steak from a cow. They're going to run. They're going to run the ball constantly. Student body left, student body right. All the reasons you outlined. You talked about whether Keelan Cole's going to be good. If that's the question mark, that means they have no wide receivers. On the other side, is Latavius Murray dead? 
If I told you, <laughs> not, not that I know. If of. I told you Latavius Murray got the goal line carries, would that shock you? Would that be the most shocking thing, Scott, you ever heard in your life? Latavius Murray's getting the goal line carries. So why wouldn't you take Fournette? The guy had a touchdown last year. If we look at it, he had touchdown first week, second week, third week, fourth week, two touchdowns in week five, one touchdown in week six. And he's getting the carries. I think it's Fournette and it's easy. I agree with you. All right. Second pairing, I'll let you go first. We're going to go Alshon Jeffrey versus Allen Robinson. It's not even close. Alshon Jeffrey, remember, was suspended for using an illegal substance in Chicago. He had a one-year prover contract in Philadelphia and actually performed. But he performed with massive efficiency. So again, this is a player that is getting up there in age that had a big year with touchdowns, but not a big year with targets. He's 28 years old. He had 57 receptions last year and nine total touchdowns. He was third of the wide receivers of touchdowns on 57 receptions and 120 targets. So no, I don't believe in Alshon Jeffrey. And I understand Allen Robinson was hurt. And I understand Allen Robinson had one really good year. But that one really good year partner was with Blake Bortles. He's now going with Trubisky, who may be okay, not great. But he's in Nagy, who's going to want to pass the ball. He's the star wide receiver there. He's a guy who can perform and get 80 catches and that sort of stuff. I love me some Allen Robinson. Yeah, yeah, this was a tough one for me. Alshon Jeffrey's getting up there in age. He had that prove-it contract, like you said. The yardage was terrible, but the touchdowns were there. Third with the nine touchdowns. Allen Robinson coming off that gruesome injury. And you you are a quiet Allen Robinson truther. You may not put it out there for everybody, but you were definitely a quiet Allen Robinson Well, Scott, it was two years ago. Same thing. I was at the end of round one because you refused to give me early picks, and I needed a guy. And I took Allen Robinson in three leagues like I took DeMarco Murray in three leagues. The end of round one is not a good spot for me. It's not. Yeah, yeah, no. It's not your your favorite location. (laughs) But two years ago, he did get 150 targets. You'd like to see him convert more of those, you know – targets or catches as he only had 73 catches on those 150 targets so it's less than 50 percent conversion rate you got to hope that even if he let's let's say he approaches 120 targets you you want to see 80 receptions coming you know to, to bring that number closer together in this new offense gives Trubisky a legit weapon on the outside as long as he can stay healthy I'm sure he'll become a big time red zone target probably a bigger one than he was with Blake Bortles this, this was a tough one for me because I'm not really a big fan of either one of these receivers I think Wentz has some more weapons he can utilize, use the ball, throw the ball to. I think Al Gore takes the next step up. You're going to have Zach Ertz, obviously, and you got the running backs you can work with, a plethora of running backs there as well, even going as far back as Clement, who can wind, line up and catch balls out of, in the slot if he needed to. So, you know, for me, I would lean in, the, in, in a battle of receivers I'm not a big fan of. I lean towards Allen Robinson as well. You know, I think the next one is incredible. Travis Kelsey versus Rob Gronkowski. Who do you got here? This is a very. Are you asking for redraft? That's my question. Yeah, I mean, I am asking for redraft because I think. I mean, I think if we look at you know a dynasty situation and so forth, probably. I mean, I would lean towards Kelsey just you know for the youth, the age. He's a little younger than Gronkowski, I believe, younger than him by a year. So that gives any. He's not as injury prone. Yes, Kelsey's had his share of injuries and he's had some share of down games. But if I'm looking at from a dynasty standpoint, I'm probably going to go Travis Kelsey. But redraft here, they're they're lined up right next to each other in ADP. And the funny thing, when you go to PlayerProfile.com, you look at Travis Kelsey, best comparable tight end is Rob Gronkowski. 
So where do you, where, where do you go when you look at these two? Uh, if you told me for redraft, man, I have to take Gronkowski because I just don't think you can project the same type of success with, with Patrick Mahomes making his first start than you can with Tom Brady. Listen, I understand I'm taking a risk with Gronkowski getting injured. I'm well aware of that. But it's difficult for me to say Mahomes is going to stick in there, is going to get in there, and he's going to just feed Kelsey at the same rate that Alex Smith did. So if you're asking me for one year, there's no Julian Edelman now for four games in New England. I'd have to take Gronkowski, but I won't like it. Yeah, it is amazing how close they are. Red zone target share, Gronkowski was second. Kelsey was third. End zone target share, Gronkowski was third. Kelsey is sixth. I mean, they're 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 it, the amount of comparable numbers here that are equal are the same. Yeah, it, it, you got to look at the quarterback, right? I mean, yeah, Brady's up there in age, but it's still Tom Brady. And as long as a healthy Gronkowski is a healthy Gronkowski, Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes in 2018, I'm going to go Tom Brady. So yeah, redraft wise, uh, you got to lean towards Gronkowski. But you know, it's the gap is getting closer. You know, as as we get further down the road and these you know years each one of them get older kelsey's getting closer to gronk Ertz is getting closer to kelsey so the tight end gap what was three years ago and two years ago gronk for a year graham and then everybody else it we, we've closed that gap down and uh you know these these younger tight ends are coming they're coming for gronk let's do some quarterbacks who you got for qb a couple of quarterbacks close in uh, adp as well a couple of veterans matt stafford kirk cousins Matt Stafford, I feel like, is always underrated in Detroit. And now Kirk Cousin gets a new lease on life, a brand new start in Minnesota. He really does. And I like Cousins, but it's hard to not favor the consistency of Matt Stafford. He is very underappreciated. He's a guy that you really like last year, and he performed very well for you. I think that I, I tend to be Missouri, right, man? Show me. Don't tell me you're going to do it. Show me. Kirk Cousins didn't have a great year last year. He had a great year two years ago. He was just okay last year. I'll take Matt Stafford in his offense. He's got Kenny Galladay exploding. He had four forty four hundred passing yards last year. That's three among all. That's third among all quarterbacks. He had twenty nine passing touchdowns, which was fourth. He's still 30 years old, which is on the young side. He's got a great offensive line now. Frank Ragnow slamming my son there in the in the bed doing wrestling with him. So I'm going to lean Stafford here, and I'm kind of going to lean Stafford by a decent margin. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it, it's crazy. I mean, I guess I guess when I put these one versus ones together, I wasn't expecting us to be on, in agreement on all of them. But yeah, so it's far, it's a disaster. We, yeah, we we are, we're, we're going to be wrong. It's not working out for right now. I may have to let you do the do the next uh, pairing next time we do this because I put these together. Melvin Gordon out. or anyone else? Yeah, anyone else, please for five. Uh, Matt Stafford for me, the consistency is there. He's got two veteran wide receivers to work with in Golden Tate, Marvin Jones. Bring in a young running back. You have the other running backs. And and the fact that Abdullah and Riddick were so terrible in running the ball last year for Stafford to be able to put up the numbers he did and be ultra consistent the way he was when teams knew they had no choice but to pass the ball just, just to me validates Stafford's consistency and his ability to be, listen, if you're one of those guys like we are that you wait on a quarterback, I mean, he's just a perfect quarterback for you to, you know, get – what ninth, tenth round? Build your fantasy team around. Stack up at the other position because you know what you're going to get from him. Kirk Cousins, I like Kirk Cousins. He's going into a new situation. He's got two very good receivers as well. But for me, 
I'll take the guy who's been there. He's done it. He's done it consistently. He's done it with no help in the backfield. So, yeah, Matt Stafford for me over Kirk Cousins. And, again, funny, you know, when I look at this site. I know you love player profile, and we both use it, you know, for reference here and there. The best comparable for Kirk Cousins, Tony Romo. For Matt Stafford, Jay Cutler. I mean, could you have two, <laughs> two quarterbacks, you know, that had took so much heat in their day, Romo and Cutler, as being the most comparable? I just thought that was a funny uh, – comparison there. I'll tell you why people don't like Matt Stafford because he usually doesn't give you a top fantasy performance on a weekly basis. He was number two overall last year against Arizona to start the year. But after that, 17, QB 20, QB 29, QB 12. But here we go now. This is Matt Stafford in a nutshell. From week six down to week 12. QB 8, QB 6, QB 7, QB 7, QB 8. That's Matt Stafford's area. That's where he lives. He is so two touchdown, one interception. That's Matt Stafford. And if he throws only one touchdown, he's going to throw for 400 yards. People don't like that. They want the five touchdowns of Deshaun Watson. That's what they want. But his value, his ADP is way too low. I don't know if Kirk Cousins is going to have that same success. I have no idea. I know that Thielen is good. I know that Diggs is really explosive. I know Dalvin Cook's there. I don't know, but I know that Matt Stafford is going to have to sling this ball over the place, and he has a better offensive line than he's ever had. And I think people have this vision of Stafford, too, being a turnover-prone quarterback, and I think maybe it's more of the fact that he's kind of like, you know, you talk about Watson not afraid to sling it. Stafford's not afraid to sling it either. You know, he had 26 interceptable passes last year. It's a lot. So, it's a lot. So, you know, it is a lot. It doesn't mean they were intercepted, but passes that had a chance to be. So he was not afraid to take that risk. And you can look at that as a positive or a negative. For me, that means this quarterback is taking a shot. He's going to try to find that guy open down the field and thread that needle. And it's going to work sometimes. It's not going to work others. But you don't want a quarterback that's you know afraid in the pocket to make a big play. And that's one thing I think Stafford is not afraid to do is take that chance, make that big play. And you know you can re- reap the benefits of that from a fantasy standpoint. Last two years, only 10 interceptions. I'll take that any day of the week. I mean, he's not Jimmy G, but who can be? <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy G's on the Mount Rushmore quarterback. Right? Yeah, I, Mike, by, Mike by, the, by the time we hit September part, I'll have him top three. Yeah, well, <laughs> top how, about three. These, how about one of these two rookie running backs? Are either one of these on the Mount Rushmore? Sony Michelle, Ronald Jones, the second a pair of rookie running backs who both have a shot to make an immediate impact on their teams. It, this is this is the best one you put forth because Ronald Jones has the much better situation, right? He's in Tampa Bay, second round pick, just like Sony Michelle. His biggest competition is Peyton Barber, right? So Ronald Jones does profile like a guy who can make an impact, but he's not involved in the passing game. His target share in college was only 16th percentile, 4.3 at USC. So he doesn't catch an awful lot of passes. If you take Sony Michelle, because Ronald Jones is useless unless he's getting the first and second down work. And I could see him coming in. He, he got hurt in the offseason while he was getting, you know, combine ready and stuff like that. So I'm not so sure that Ronald Jones is going to be a workhorse for Tampa Bay this year. I know Sony Michelle will catch some passes in PPR. So in PPR, it's easy. I'll take Sony Michelle. And I think I'll lean Michelle too for standard. Yeah, I think, I think I'm going to lean Ronald Jones only because of the situation. I mean, I know you've got this feeling that Rex Burkhead's going to be the number one guy there, and then pretty much it's open, it's open season after that. Probably Michelle may have the next crack at it should Burkhead fail. But for me, the situation, you're going Ronald Jones is going up against an undrafted free agent from a couple of years ago in Peyton Barber, and then you got Charles Sims there. Charles Sims, we know what he is. He's going to be the guy in third downs that's going to catch a couple of passes. He's going to try and help move the sticks on third down. So really, we know Ronald Jones is not really going to – 
you know, become that guy on third down and catch the passes because of what you just said. But when he's only going to compete with a guy like Peyton Barber, who did some nice things, well, had a chance last year, but he he's not a guaranteed workhorse either. I think you put Jones in a situation in, in a warm, nice warm climate with an offense that's going to hopefully try to throw the ball to the wide receivers, maybe open up some holes for him. I think he's got a better chance of – putting in an immediate impact. Maybe, yeah, you know, I'm not looking at, you know, high RB1 or RB1 status, but could give you a 15 to 20 touch guy right out of the gate, maybe after a couple weeks with low end RB2 upside. So for me, I'll take what I would think is more of a, I don't want to say sure thing, but a better chance of contributing early and Ronald Jones and Sony Michelle. I got no problem with that. I think it's reasonable. This is a close one. Very good. Good job here, partner. Gosh, there's so much content now, isn't there? Yeah, there, there, there really is. And just one more addition on the uh, the news and notes from earlier. How about Zach Martin getting a monster contract? I'm sure Ezekiel Elliott is uh, dancing, uh, dancing in Dallas, knowing that Zach Martin's going to be around for a long time in Dallas. And that's why he's going to be the number one running back because the volume is king. They're going to run it on first. They're going to run it on second. They're going to throw it to him on third. I do want to see Corey Coleman go there. I'm still a Corey Coleman guy, and I think that'd yep, be a perfect landing are. spot. I mean, I think he's a. You, you could see me in some of our redraft leagues taking Corey Coleman at the end of the, the draft just to see if he gets traded there. Because surprised I think you haven't drafted him in Dynasty yet. It's possible. It's po- it is possible. But I'm too. I'm too caught up in Jimmy G. Thank God you didn't take Jimmy G or Derrick Henry. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, I- I thought, I'm telling you, I thought about it. I, 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 there's a couple of guys I thought about. I was sure you were taking Amari Cooper at one point. And you have yet, you did not take him. Uh, it just didn't fit. Now I started with Hopkins. You know, it's a, it's a, what is it? A 14 man? It's a 12 man, right? 12 man yep. best ball dynasty. We're going 33 rounds and it's the premium on the running backs. I wanted to take Amari Cooper, but I, I just, I took Hopkins. If you take Hopkins and you take a wide receiver in that first spot, I kind of felt I needed some more running backs. So if I had taken Le'Veon Bell, I would have had Amari Cooper. That's correct. Yep, and I know you don't believe me, but truth of the matter is, if you didn't take Hopkins, I was taking Bell. I mean, I was taking Hopkins instead. So you would have dropped Bell. Bell to pick seven? Is that true? I would have. I the guy would have passed down. The guy would have passed down for Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, it's because well, it's dynasty. Listen, Le'Veon Bell's going to have a 55 million points this year. I get that. But I just think Hopkins is going to give me five years of high-end wide receiver one production. That's why I took it. You're right, and that's what I was thinking too. And like I said, dynasty makes – Strange, strange decisions. You know, we all know I'm not a Tyreek Hill guy, but sure enough, I draft him in Dynasty just because the upside is punt return points, touchdowns, and so forth. So he made total sense. As I sit here on the clock, debating a trade offer that was thrown my way as well. I'm gonna, re- I'm gonna reoffer Cameron Merrith and somebody else for Tevin Coleman. See if this guy bites. Okay, give it a shot. I don't think it's gonna happen, but you'll, you'll see how high up he is on Cam- Cameron Merrith. We could have a sneaky year. There's the music. We'll see you, folks. Pick it up. 